I was a kid, I laid awake at nights and heard the sounds of trains. There's a lot of things I didn't understand. A lot of things I'd do different if I could. I don't want to be criticized. Nobody takes me serious here. Like you? Who in the hell says I gotta like let go of this? How can I let go of this? It's who I am. It's all I know. I wish they froze me in a block of ice till it was my time when I was ready to make my move. Before I started doing this active stuff, I was afraid to get up in front of me. I didn't go to the moon. I went much further. Right now, what kind of theater does this country need? How about a theater with black and brown actors who had been convicted of serious crimes and had spent years in prison? Actors who want a chance in a society that has no time for them. Actors who ache for change. You know, that kind of a theater. For the last decade, Richard Holder has taught acting at Otisville State Prison and has formed a company of formerly incarcerated men studying the art of acting at HB Studio. Prison Monologues is a podcast that reveals the actor and his story. I didn't go to the moon. I went much further. We're talking today with Gilfredo Valentin, who began acting while in prison and now on the outside is continuing to work on his passion, which is acting. Fox joined Richard Holler's acting workshop, Acting Out, and performed recently in the Zoom productions of Talk to Me and Inside Out. And Fox, I want to welcome you to Prison Monologues. I've heard there's other names for you, Freddie, Fox, Gilfredo. What, What should we call you today? Call me Fox. Everyone's comfortable with calling me Fox, so... Okay. How, how did you get that nickname? It was just a name that was pretty much um, given to me while I was incarcerated, actually. Freddie Fox is like a a common name that people put together. So right, right. I started telling people, my name is Freddie, 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 Freddie. Then they started adding a fox to it, so... Are you... Uh, there's a certain... Um... What quality to being a fox? Are you foxy in any way? <laughs> no, I'm sly. I'm quiet. You know. You you do seem like a quiet person. Um, I've uh, observed you in the uh, Zoom productions, and you're really quite good at what you do on on Zoom. I haven't seen you on stage yet, but you are. You seem to be a quiet person. Are you? Yes, I, I am. Um, I think it developed in prison. Um, I developed this defense mechanism where I didn't say much because of the consequences that could happen to you behind your words or, you know, you get into people's business or you say something offensive or a lot of things cause you to get hurt in prison. So I, it just, over time, it just developed, you know, mind my business, keep your eyes Clothes, you know, you know, your mouth shut, you know, you don't hear nothing. And over time it just, you know, just sank in. And yeah. And and had you always been quiet and kind of thoughtful in that way throughout your whole life? Um the, the environment, you know, if I'm around close friends, I'm a little more talkative and yeah. But if I'm if I'm just meeting you, you know, I don't know, I just assess the situation maybe and I'm trying to figure things out put things together 
Is that something you learned in prison? Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. You gotta uh, always watch the company you keep. You know, you always gotta be watching your surroundings because of you know people cut you from behind and stuff like that. Mm. So I've, I was always, you know, very uh, cautious in that respect, that aspect of you know keeping people at arm's length. You know, just protecting my my square. You know. And you and you find that's true when you walk around the city even today. I, how long have you been out of prison? I completed five years in November sixteenth of this year, and even even today in the city on the trains, I find myself you know very uh, I would like to say socially awkward because you know I don't I don't conform to what's naturally out here like you know like I'm. I could see myself in every room I enter, just being different in some way, you know? Like, I'm not, you know, a regular person, and I just don't, you know, it could be my experiences. You know, I did 20 years in prison. I was incarcerated at the age of 16, so I was a child when I entered the prison. I became a man in there, and, you know, just just the your environment, you know, what, what, how, how, how it molds you, you know? And, I wanted to make it home, you know, I wanted to make it home without any scars, without, you know, being stabbed, cut, or killed, you know, so, you know, a lot of time people are uncomfortable around me because of my silence, and, you know, it just takes time to, to get to know me, you know, for me to feel okay to tell you the truth. Some people don't like telling, you know, hearing the truth, and it's one of the reasons why I like theater, because it allows you that platform to be honest with yourself, be honest with the world, and you don't have to worry about any type of judgment or you know, offending anyone. So, well, yeah. yeah. Why don't we take this moment now, since you mentioned your uh, interest in love of theater, uh, you have a monologue for us that we can start off with? When I first started doing acting stuff, I was afraid to get up in front of people because I was scared of what they would think, especially if I screwed up. And now, I don't care because I know anything about that. When I'm acting, I can say things I'm afraid to say in real life because I won't get in trouble if I lose it or get mad or get angry. And you know what? That shit is official. Because when I show my emotions and stuff, when I get as real as I can get, people don't judge me or, or talk shit about me. They clap and, 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 and laugh and tell me I'm great at this stuff. And ain't nobody ever told me I was good at nothing before. Not in real life. I mean, the love for theater. That was, that was excellent. It... <laughs> It's, it sounded like the interview was continuing. <laughs> That's uh, what I was thinking, it, too. It did not sound like a, um, a monologue. Um, and that, mm. was, that was the monologue we just heard. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was the actual scene. Well, it's, it's, I wanted to say something. It was funny when Fox was first Rich, Richard Holler. I don't know if I introduced and, Richard, but this is Richard Holler, the acting oh, yes. guru and teacher. and well, Yeah, uh, the, the guy that runs the workshop. Runs the workshop um, at HB Studio. 
when Fox first walked into my class at Otisville, like it was true, he was mad quiet and he stood in the corner and I says, what's up with this guy? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know what's what, you know, like, and, but the minute the exercises started, the minute, like, as he said, it was theater and it was no longer being in a room, being awkward around people. We were all in the same workshop. We were a cast of characters. I mean, Fox just opened right up and, and, and I, it was, you were one of the first people, Fox, that, that reminded me just how powerful theater is in helping people who are a little bit, because I was always, I was extremely shy when I was young and yet I walked out on stage and I was fine. I don't know what that is, but you got the same thing and I recognized it in you. So anyway, it just reminded me of that first time he showed up. Thank you, Richard. When Fox, when you were uh, doing this monologue from us, and who, who wrote that? Can you give us a little background on that piece? Maybe Richard knows more. Yeah, I think Richard would have a better idea of who wrote it. I know that a lot of, of the prisoners was writing a lot of the work we do, so I'm not really sure who actually wrote it. Right. Well, actually, I wrote it. Oh, look uh, at that, Rich. I'm yeah, sorry. that's all right. No, because it was from a, a piece that we did in the prison called Showdown, and it was all this uh, – I had – I had found that, that I wanted to do original material based on classical stuff that we've been doing. And this, I needed an opening monologue to just start off the whole show. And, uh, and that's when I came up with this one because I, I took it from really from the guys in class telling me how theater made them feel and also how it made me feel. And so I just cr created a monologue out of that, you know, just what we've been talking about. That's yeah. why I think it sounded like it was the continuation of the interview and not a monologue because we, we've been talking about the very thing. It was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was real. And people say acting is not a real thing, but when you're connected to what you're saying with the script, the words, it is as real as anything, maybe more real than everyday reality. Fox, you uh, wrote to us before, to prepare for this uh, interview that your uh, first acting role was while you were incarcerated at the maximum security prison in Elster County, New York, the Eastern Correctional Facility. Can you tell us about the acting program there? Because you also were involved with Richard's acting program at Otisville. Um, in Easton, it was a director by the name of Britta Baker. She was a volunteer as well, um, similar to what Rich does. It was a, a theater program that was being up and running, and she would come every week and rehearse with us. And it was a very gratifying experience for me. You know, it, it gave me a voice. You know, I was allowed to get on the stage and not worry so much of what people thought about me or what they said in the yard or anything. It's just everything get blocked out. And I remember getting ready for this, this play called Buffalo here. And I had a very small row, maybe three lines. It was called He He Who Love Horses. And I remember crawling up to the stage on my hands and knees and trying to whisper to the Buffalo soldiers to get up because we was about to get raided and stuff like that. But what was very profound about this um, play was that I was actually an understudy for a bigger role. And the second, the second show, which was on a Sunday, the first show was a Saturday. The actor that was going to play the role, he actually gave me the opportunity to, to perform as an understudy. So I actually got to perform in that play as a, as a real actor. And it was amazing. I, I couldn't tell you, like, you know, from the, from being nervous, you know, feeling anxiety before the play begins to, you know, first, to that very moment of getting first words out your, out your mouth. And everything was like, 
perfect. It was just home, you know? It was just a place I wanted to be, you know? They used to allow us to invite our family members to come visit, and that was even spectacular, you know? So I used to bring my daughter up on stage. I used to see how, 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 how afraid she was. And she was only like three years old, so I know how frightening the stage is, you know, for anyone. You know, if you get on stage, it's just like a frightening experience. But to overcome that, it's just very powerful. You know? It's almost as if the theater within the prison context remains the theater that we all know. Uh, this theater of audience and actor and play and playwright and words and emotions. And that all of that stuff that you had happen to you in the yard and the fear that you have in the yard didn't play out in the theater. It was like a, a free place for you to be. It was definitely free for me. It gave me a peace of mind, you know. Um, it gave me something to do, you know, going back to my cell, locking in, you know, having having the script in front of you, memorizing lines, you know, and just remembering the block. And it was something I'd just do all day long. At, at nighttime, I'd just get up. Lines is running through my head. Mm -hmm. And there's something I can't even fall asleep because I'm trying to remember word for word verbatimly, you know, I don't want to mess up the script. And, and it just takes up so much of your time. And it just actually, you know, actually saved me, man, because, you know, like that room is special. That room, don't matter if you're in a gang, don't matter what religion you're in, what politics you're involved with, it doesn't matter. You go into that room, you are human. You are, you know, you are in touch with all basic emotions, happiness, sadness, you know, and, and it's just, you know, it just reminds you of that little kid inside, you know? When you was a little kid, you use your imaginations, you know? You you always wanted to play with others. You always wanted to be good. You always wanna, you know? Then sometimes during the adolescence, I lost some of those good qualities and I found them again at the theater workshop. And it had been a, a it's just God sent, man. And, and when I met Rich, it was just, Rich was a whole different animal, you know, because <laughs> the, the way I was taught to um, act, it's very different from the way um, Rich teaches us. He wants us to be more natural. He doesn't really want us to do all the, you know, exaggerated acting. You know, he wants us to, us to be pure. And at first, you know, it was kind of hard because, you know, I would like to, you know, uh, use my my body language as a as a crutch, but Rich made it harder, and 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 and, and it makes you stronger though in a way, you know. It, it prepares you for the outside world, you know. It gives you the opportunity to really, you know, talk to individuals on an everyday basis, you know. So it has helped me tremendously. It doesn't usually happen in theater where the prime actor, the actor who's doing the role gives the role over to the understudy. I mean, this, Rich, does this happen in your experience? It only happens when somebody, you know, cannot be there. Like it happens a lot at Otisville because somebody goes to the box or somebody gets transferred or something happens like that, gets a loss of rec, but it's not from there. They would never give up their role. You know what I mean? So this guy, why did, yeah. How did that come about that he let you do it? I mean, he just, he just saw how hard I was working as an understudy. Ah. He just wanted to honor that 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 work ethic that you know what I mean, and he wanted me to be able to, you know, display it in front of my family because I have family come to see me, 
you know, wow. even, you know, even if it was just for the small role, they was they came to see me, you know. I don't know. He was just very a humble guy. Very always spoke with kindness. Always very thoughtful of others. Just like that, he said, "Yo, you're Fox. You know what? Tomorrow you're gonna you, you're gonna perform." I'm like, "Huh? Huh? Like, hold on. Like, I'm okay with he who loves horses. No, I got three lines. I'm good. You know? <laughs> now you want me to go up there and perform a whole book? So, yeah. But the guy, oh my god, he was just like, and I thanked him, man. You know, I shook his hand and. I, I I I pretty much you know just let him know how much I appreciated him allowing me to shine like that because he didn't have to you know he didn't have to give me that role he didn't have to give me that opportunity he could just been like yo you an understudy you know and you know it's just not your time wait for the next play you know get yourself a spot you know so for him to do that for me it was it was just an affirmation of the goodness of people and how good they are. I mean, regardless of their circumstances, regardless of the choices they make. If there's, you know, if there's one thing I've been learning about having these conversations with uh, men who are actors who had been in prison, is uh, what I've seen is a humanity between you guys. That you know, when we hear the story of prison life, it's one of uh, terrible, you know, conflict, fear all the time. But clearly there's another story here of humanity and love and connection. Have you stayed in contact with this person at all? Sadly, I haven't, I didn't stay in contact with him, but I have stayed in contact with several other people that you know, I've been involved with in the prison. When we, when we become incarcerated, a lot of us, I don't want to minimize our crimes or what we have done, you know, but a lot of times, we feel bad about that, you know. We feel bad about hurting people. We feel about we feel bad about destroying their properties, you know. And a lot of times, you know, when we get together in the in the, in these classrooms and, and we talk to each other, and we start, you know, analyzing what brought us from here, from there to here. And a lot of the time, it's it's just junk. It's just titles that 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 we embrace. We want to be the most gangster. We want to be the toughest. You know, we want to be feared or respected. And it's just a bunch of nonsense that as you get older in prison, you'll be like, yo, did I, I just threw my life away for this. You know, these people aren't coming to visit me. They don't care about me. They don't write me a letter. They don't send no money. You know, I come from a good family. You know, I have parents. Both of my parents are still together, thank, thankfully. You know, um, I was always taught good morals. I was taught to be respectful, but you know, there was a time in my teenage years when I became defiant. I became, you know, less caring of others. And and, and it brought me to this place, man, to a very dark place in, in, in my life. And, and and I think that we just try to make up for that. We try to make up for the bad that we've done. And so when we get together, it's nothing but, you know, trying to show love to each other and build one one another up. You you must have been thinking about what you've just been talking about, this moment in which you went into this, you said, this dark place um, and why that was. And without speaking about specifically, what, what happens to a, a young, not you weren't even a man yet, you were still, you know, an old, an older child when you went into prison. What do you think was the 
that moment in which you kind of went over to the dark side? Impressing the wrong people, you know, having the type of friends I had at that time, addiction, you know, I was addicted to marijuana and alcohol. When I was 16, like, I couldn't handle alcohol at that age, but I thought I could, you know? I thought I was a grown man. And and and, and then it's just a lot of feelings that I didn't know how to get through. You know, if I became sad, I would do some self-harm to myself, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it just built up over time, over time, over time. I didn't have a great relationship with my dad. And I think maybe that was one of the reasons why I chose the streets because he was an alcoholic and um, he would come home every week and have a, a rough conversation with me. And that kind of led me like, you know, like, you'll forget you, I don't want to be here, I'm gonna be outside, you know? And, you know, you just make up these excuses for yourself. You know what I mean, because I look at my father today and I'm like, this was a great man, you know what I mean? Always kept the roof over my head, clothes on my back, food on the table, worked every single day, you know? But he had his issues, like I had mines, and, you know, going to that dark place was never, uh, uh, it wasn't a plan for me, you know? It was just, I was going through life, and a bit more than I could chew, you know? and and. And I disrupted a whole community, caused a lot of pain, you know? Yeah. What is your relationship with your father now? My father, uh, we're, we're building uh, towards a relationship of respect, man, because as, 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 as an adult now, I could speak to him without having to worry about him, you know, like speaking down to me, like, you know, as a father, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we can see eye to eye right now. You know, we need to communicate like this because... I'm uncomfortable the way we used to communicate with each other. And I try not to blame him because I know that we all have, we all learn from generation, our previous generation. So, you know, I look further down to my grandparents and their success and you know, I try to, you know, reason everything in my mind. But today, you know, we're happy. We help each other. Like last weekend, we was at my sister's house building up um, my, my, my niece's, uh, closet. We built a nice closet for her to play with. She liked to TikTok. She liked to do videos and stuff. So we gave her a nice happy place. You know, just me and my dad. We went actually to save my um my sister's husband who started the project, but he couldn't. <laughs> you know, he it was just too much for him. You know? So we had all these sheet rocks all over the place, all this dust everywhere. So we kind of went over there to save the day, and it felt good to actually work with him. You know, like. This is my dad, you know, like we working together, you know, like we actually a team, you know, we actually are what we was meant to be from from birth, you know. I'm I'm here to assist you. We're here to lead. I'm here to, you know, take your your directions in life and work together and create something beautiful. And seeing the smile on my on my niece's face when we left, and her teeth so bright, she was like, Thank you, Uncle Freddie. Thank you, Grandpa. It was just like the best feeling. I mean, and you know, we shared that look between us, you know, that look between men. It was like, you know, it was like we looked at each other. It was like, yo, we are, we are beautiful. We are a team. We, you know, we could do things, you know, together and without fighting, without, you know, me running off and, and, and 
you know, looking for some type of stimulation or, you know, just anything. It doesn't have to be drugs, anything. Women, the streets, guns, everything. You know what I mean? We always trying to escape ourselves when we are hurt, when we're sad, mm-hmm. you know, when we don't have the right outlets. Yeah. And now you and, and your father are, are, are men together. And right. what I'm hearing is uh, a person who's blessed. Oh, definitely, definitely. You are listening to Prison Monologues Podcast. Richard Holder and I, Alan Winson, are talking with actor and former New York State prison inmate Fox Valentine. You you have a daughter. How old is she? Uh, my daughter, Maya, she's 12 years old. She I, actually I, did a, a small part in the play, her voice. She, she, she lent us her voice. And in the most recent production. I, yeah, in this Inside Out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. She, she's part of the dilemma. Ah, right. okay. She was she was the voice of the young right the Excellent. voice of the young girl, and I worked with her. You know when I I, I remembered because I I actually when Fox we uh, Fox did some work for me when he got out, and then he invited me to a, a nativity play that his daughter was in. This was years ago, and that was the first time I saw him on the outside, which is so great. And I says, "Oh my gosh!" So it runs in the family, huh? Fox. He goes, "Oh yeah, she's really good. She's really good." And so I remembered that when we were doing this, I said we needed a voice and. Oh my, what a little pro she is. I called her up. I says, I need several recordings. She asked me questions. She sent some. She says, is this okay? Should I try this again? Give me some notes, you know. So, you know, she knows she knows the business and she's certainly got a some somebody, a fine actor leading her along the way. So well, she yeah, does TikTok, great. so why wouldn't she know? Right. <laughs> you know, she's got she's got her training. Fox, do you talk to your daughter about your prison experience at all? Is she aware of what you went through? Uh, y- yes. Um, you know, I'm a little embarrassed by this, but you know, she was born in prison, right? Um, she was conceived in prison. I was, I was getting, um, trailer visits and I was actually keeping the truth from her. You know, I was, once she got old enough to ask questions, I was an oldest girl and I was working in a puppy behind bars program. And that's where we, we we raised service dogs for our wounded veterans. So I was a part of this program and I would always come to the visit with a dog, right? And she'd be like, daddy, what is this place? And I'm like, this is school. This is where I train dogs at, you know? But she kept getting wiser with time, with time. Daddy, why why there's barbed wires here around the whole facility? Like, why is there barbed? So I'm like, baby, that's for the dogs won't escape, you know? Mm-hmm. So I had to constantly lied to her you know I, I felt I was doing a good thing at the time because I didn't want her to be ashamed of having an incarcerated parent you know if if someone in school was to ask her, oh where's your dad at or oh, my dad's in prison so I was trying to protect her from that you know so when I came home she was still in that you know she was still in that stage of thinking that I was you know I was actually you know just training dogs. But, you know, with time, she started finding out, you know, her little cousins would tell her stuff. And and there was a big change in our relationship. Like, our relationship went kind of sour. And I think it was just her self-respect. Like, you know, like, like you kind of lied to me, Dad, about where you was at, you know? And we went for a few months. I mean, like, she wasn't my little girl no more. Like she wasn't running into my little arms. You know, she wasn't so freely with me. Like she wasn't so. You know what I mean, 
But now we talk and I talk to her about everything because I don't want her to ever not have the best option for her. Like, do what you want, do it however you want to do it, but these are your options. And this is how things could work out a little better for you. We chose this route as opposed to that route. And she's very smart. You know, we have in a private school, I, I got her involved in um, cheer, cheerleading. So like three times a week, she's at cheer, you know? So she's doing, she's excellent. You know, she just, she just everything a, a father could want from a, from a daughter. You know, she's very respectful. And I trust her a lot. Like when Rich asked me if he could work with her, sure, Rich, go ahead. Uh, uh, are you gonna be there? No, I'm not gonna be there, Rich. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be there because I, I, I don't feel like I should be there. I, I think that you know she should develop, develop a, a sense of doing things her own. And you know, and Rich, I trust Rich with my whole life, so it's like it was a no brainer. You know? Fox, so, yeah. I, I must say thank you so much for for being so open and um, and trusting me who you don't even know, but I know you know Rich, and Rich trusts me, so I guess I get residual <laughs> trust through through Richard. And I want to thank you so much for joining us here on Prison Monologues. We usually end with a monologue from uh, the actor, and I understand, you know, Rich didn't set you up for this, so I'm going to blame Rich for it. Oh, I am like totally remiss, but you do have your script from the last show, right? Uh, yes. Can you do a little bit of the of the letter to the mom? It's so beautiful, Fox. Okay. And just, you know, can you do like the first couple sections of it? You know what I mean? I remember I had to be about three or four. You were on the phone while you held me in your arms. My head to your chest. The vibration of your voice in my ear. So warm and safe. A rare feeling. The years that followed were hell. I don't remember much but noise and pain and fear. And then you left them. For a while, I blamed you. How could you let this hell happen? Didn't you love me? Wasn't I good enough for you? I did all the wrong things to get your attention. You did all the right things you thought would get my attention. You worked and school kept you busy trying to uplift your family. But while you were away, the street me busy trying to escape myself. I put it through so much. Family courts, youth facilities, traveling hundreds of miles to visit me as the pain, anger, and fear accumulated inside. I remember that night, fresh on parole, coming to your house three in the morning, smelling like weed and alcohol. You came downstairs in your robe and sat down next to me with tears in your eyes. What are you doing to yourself, you asked. Leave me alone. Go back to bed, I said. Years passed as we danced these same dance of broken promises and unfulfilled potentials. All the while, you kept the love and hope, and I kept the pain. When the day came that life courted death, the pain didn't seem so important anymore. My, my vision's clear. I looked around and I saw you standing beside me, so caring, honest, intelligent, strong, beautiful. I looked into your side, into your eyes and saw the image of the child you saw burning into my brain. Looking at myself through your eyes, I do not see ignorance or 
evil or worthlessness. I see greatness. I see love. I began to ask myself, how could I honor what was in your eyes? The answers to believe that it is the truth. On awareness is replaced by the knowledge that for me to be the best me is to be just like you. Courage battles fears. Love replaces pain. I see love. Yes, son. And just to let you know that that piece was so beautifully performed by Fox, it was written by Santo Morales, Jason Morales, who did a podcast a little while ago. That's mm -hmm. his it was, it was, uh, It's part of the prison monologues uh, episodes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just, one last question that uh, was so beautiful. Our, our, um, your mother's still with us, yes? Yes, she is. And and what is your relationship with her? Is it does it uh, reflect anything that came out of that monologue? Oh man, this is I don't know. Like these two last shows, these monologues was like right. It was just me. It was just me, and you know, just just remembering how my mom's even to this day how she is with me. She's always worrying about me. She always wants to know what I'm doing, where you at, where you going, who you with. Um, Remember where you was where where you was at. Don't for, ever forget that pain. Yo, she's just uh, she's she's my rock. Like she was there from, I mean, since birth, and she has never deserted me. She has never. Yo, I just when I when I think of her, it's just like, it's my world. She she, she my mom's. I don't know. Like she's number one in my world, in my life. She she overrides my daughter. My, my wife, everything, because I know she has proven, you know what I mean, that she's loyal, that, you know, she's my mother, that she's going to always be there for me. What I do now, I spend my days just trying to ease her mind, you know, because I know that as a child, I cause her to stay up so many nights, you know, unnecessarily worrying about me, thinking about me. You know, she used to follow me out the house. Like when I was trying to, I, I wait for everybody to go to sleep so I could sneak out, right? Because I was still young. I was 13, 14, 15 years old. And I had to sneak out because, you know, I had to be home for her to go to sleep. Because if not, she'll stay up all night. So I'll go home. I'll put her to sleep pretty much. I'll sneak out. i walk two, three blocks. I'll turn around. And who do you see? My mom's. <laughs> and she's following me. I could walk, I mean, I could walk blocks on blocks on blocks and she sneakily following me. And I'm like, you know, when you get that sense of, uh, of being wise or something, you know, or you're looking for your, your surroundings, you're trying to protect yourself. And I see her, I'm like, yo, mom, what you doing? Then I'm forced to go back home. Like, what are you out here for? What, why are you following me for? Like, go home. And I remember telling her things like that, like, leave me alone, go home already. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I'm a man, you know? Because I wanted to be a man so much. I wanted to be a man. Because that came from my disagreement with my dad. When he, when he used to always come to the house, he wanted, he used to tell me, oh, you're not a man, you're not a man, you're not a man. A man is this, a man is that, whatever, right? And we used to always, so I think, like, subconsciously, like, it was just... Everything just went, you know, heads on, you know. 
I'm being told, you know, I'm not a man. Then, you know, my mom, it was just a conflict within myself. Not to blame anyone, but I was just conflicted, you know, and I was a 13-year-old kid in the street with a gun, you know? Mm. I look now at these kids and I'm like, there's no way, bro, that you was 13 years old selling drugs, you was robbing people, you was you was just a menace. You know what I mean? How, 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 how? I look at my nephew, I look at my daughter, they, they're about to be 13 or whatever. And I'm like, how did my life just go from A to Z in, in, in matters of, of months? And, you know, y'all just, you know, y'all just learning how to cross the street pretty much. Cause my daughter, I swear, she 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 gets choked for everywhere. I have to constantly tell her, look both ways, this and this and that. And she just like, you know, it's just headphones on and no worries in the world. I had to look both ways when I was in the streets, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, I don't, I don't, I don't know what happened to me, you know, that allowed me to make, you know, just come to the conclusion that I was doing the right thing. Well, uh, Fox, you, you've crossed the street. Um, you've made it to the other side. And who knows wh wh what other streets you're going to be crossing in, in your life. I congratulate you on that. I just, um, I'm sure your mother heard you do that monologue. What did she say to you? And let's end with that. Oh, man, my mom, she'll sit here, right? And she cry. And she actually told me this was one of her favorite ones, the, 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 the letters to the moms. She just she just looks at me and she just be like, I'm proud of you. You know, you have done so much in, in such little time since you've been home. And and I don't know, like she just I just see her, like, you know, like she's just my audience. She's like always she'll help me with the monologue with like the sombra when I did the other one. Mm -hmm. And she would be my cues and I would go back and forth with her. And I don't know, my mom is like she's very, she just very grateful to have me home you know like i was her i was her, her the hole in her heart you know so to have me home and you know it's just kind of like completed her in a way you know mm. but she still struggles you know we still have that struggling because you know she's always going to be a mother she always have that fear of her son being taken away from her again so yeah, and but I you're, work late you, nights, you know. Yep, that's that's a mother can't 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 get away from that, but she yeah. she loves you and um, uh, Fox Valentine. It's been a pleasure to meet you and talk with you again. Thank you for sharing so openly. Hopefully, what you're saying will help others. I don't know if this will get to the ears that need it, but thank you for sharing it. I, it um, I appreciate it. Well, thank you for Perfect. having me. It's a pleasure being here. Yep, you got me in touch with my feelings so that's good you oh know, it's always good to be in touch with your feelings yeah 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 in a, in a non-judgmental place where where you know it's okay and richard thank you thank you absolutely for i sit here looking at fox and i just remember being in that room room four and building 105 at, at otisville you know sitting there in a circle and just the fact that we've come this far that i'm now done two two productions with Fox on the outside. He's doing amazing work. It's just, there are miracles in life and you are one of them, kiddo. 
and this company that we have is, 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 is a miracle that's enfolding us all. So thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for having me.